it sidesteps the fact that they weren't going to call it what I'm sure the original title, which is Queen, the Freddie Mercury story, How I Learned to Get AIDS and Stop Being an Asshole. Bohemian Rhapsody, starring Rami Malek. More like starring Freddie Mercury, because I couldn't tell the difference, could you? He literally says... Why didn't you tell me about Live Aid? <laughs> Which is something that somebody only says if they fucking are in Back to the Future. Supposedly Jake Gyllenhaal wanting to be Batman. And I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. Stay away. Get Forget it. about it. I forgot. It's fine. No, it's not fine. I just eternally you sunshined you out of my memory. Your significant that, that, other was there. And so now that I That was the angriest it's fine people. I've heard in a long time. It seriously sounded like Lucy in an episode. Hold it's on. fine, Ricky. <laughs> Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new film Bohemian Rhapsody, starring Rami Malek. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hello there again, everybody, and welcome in to episode 174 of Film Tank. This is a very special episode, not just because we're talking about the film about the band Queen. Especially not because of that. But because myself and Nick Cheney and hey. Toussaint Egan are not the only three people here. Nope. Nope. But we have not but one, but two guests. Oh my god, where are they? Literally, where are they? They're just gonna like knock on the door. Who is it? Wow, that that's really bad. Ed McMahon. Wow, that Whoa. was awkward. It's Anna! That hi was, Anna! Wow. That was Hey. That was, oh, oh, hi. And it's Sam! <laughs> Oh boy! What a surprise! Now hold on, Nick sounded really disappointed. <laughs> so, I mean, that has nothing to I do get with it. you. I'll just walk out. I mean, I get it too. I can leave. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Nick, no. please. We, we solved guests. Multiple guests. Did you just say be our guest? No, we had we have be? multiple guests. Oh, we have uh, multiple guests. Yes. Are you like saying that so that like I'm quote unquote on my best behavior? Yes. Or? That's unfortunately going to only elicit the opposite reaction. Yeah. I've already lost my pants. Yeah. That's fine. That's okay. Anyway. It's going to turn into the Kenny episodes. And no. that's what you wanted? No, that's not what Good I job. Wanted. This is on you. It's right. <laughs> have fun. Just gonna... These are your choices. Yeah. No, they're not. Yes, they are. That's, that's the current political scheme. Just make people think that it's their fault. That's oh, good. Oh, God. Anyway. Continue. So, today, we are going to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, which is the new film, sort of directed by Brian Singer. He uh, showed up once or twice. Yeah. Yep. He claims he had a good reason, and he may have. However... I don't want to hear it. Well, <laughs> all of the events surrounding it are very perplexing. Yeah. And also, uh, a certain character didn't care for it, and he was being kind of a diva about it, but... He's playing Freddie Mercury, so it kind of all makes sense. So we'll get into that shortly. 
as we'll be talking about the film about Freddie Mercury and the rest of Queen, which they are very, were very, uh, the remaining members were very uh, hard. Um, they had they had a very close grip on what the actual direction of the film was. Well, they wanted themselves to look good. Yeah, that's what it was. Put it that way. Yeah, it was. So we'll talk about that and all those decisions and everything else that happens within the film. But first, uh, since we're all here, all five of us. This is great. Mighty Morphin Time. See, you shouldn't have done that, because now I kind of want to. It would be awesome. We could get on the Megazord. We could fight. Which dinosaur would you be? Uh, I always was in Tommy's Corner, so I would be... Uh, the Black I, Ranger? No, I, I, I'd go old Do school. You I'd, know? Be, the, I'd be, the, be the Green Ranger. Oh, I thought Tommy... Oh, That's okay. Jason. Uh, well, he was the Red Ranger. Jason originally. was the Red Ranger. Oh, just because he was black doesn't mean that he. But was the, the Green Ranger had his black. own Megazord, which Ranger. was awesome. You're confusing. That yeah, what are you guys talking about? The Power Rangers, the first iteration of the Power Rangers. Well, yeah, that's like. What are you? Which one are you talking about? Well, I guess I'll be Billy because he was the smart one. I'm Kim. That's cool. Anna, which one are you? Well, I was going to say Kim, but Nick obviously took that. We can both be we can, Kim. We can have two Kims. Yeah. We can yeah. have two Kims. Our outfits are the same shade of pink. It was the best of Kims. It was the worst of Kims. <laughs> Kim Kardashian. Fine, then I get fuchsia. Okay. Ooh, fancy. Sorry, Sam. You don't have much to pick from here. You're Rita Repulsa. You, 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 can, either be the, you can either be the black guy or the Asian girl. <laughs> I would go with the saber tooth tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Sabretooth at this point. <laughs> yeah. What about the little robot who looks like the guy from Rocky IV? We don't talk about him. Oh. <laughs> Why not? It's not Alpha. Mm, there's nothing wrong with him, but also, <laughs> what can you say about him, though? I don't know. Is don't it know. a him? Mm, don't know. Good That's question. a good question. Couldn't tell you. That's a good question. Nobody cares. Mm. Let's mm. discuss. No. <laughs> what we are actually going to discuss That's is the rest of the year is... Uh, 2018 is coming to a close quickly, which is good or bad. Terrifying. You you don't you're not sure about 2019. No, this year's just gone by so fast. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. For real, it feels like it last has gone Christmas. by pretty fast. I yeah. do agree with you. I think that's a thing about getting older. Like I'm assuming when I get to like 50, it's just not going to even happen. Remember just last Friday? Me. That was 12 years ago. Tucson is always here to remind us that the further and further we get from the 90s, only 90 kids will remember it. <laughs> only 90s kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, there are a lot of films that are going to be jam-packed into the end of the year, specifically ones that are going to be limited released and then released in January and February and so on. So interested to see what uh, everyone's looking forward to uh, for the next, I don't know, six weeks or so. Anybody have something they want to mention first? Yes. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Good. 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 Because um, the segment almost ended really quickly. I'm looking forward to... Well, first off, I'm, what I'm looking forward... Oh, here we go. Tucson's so just going to read off titles here. Perfect. No, I'm going to just name off a few. Uh, I'm looking forward to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, okay. which is the animated film that's going to be coming out... Um, Later this year, that focuses on Miles Morales. And you like, didn't. You didn't see Venom, did you? I did not see Venom. So um, you didn't get to see the scene that's probably about a quarter of the actual film. 
Uh, yeah, but you know, I'm gonna go see the movie. Just so because, you'll see it anyway. Yeah, because the trailer looks awesome, and I really like good animation. It looks like it's gonna be really well animated. Um, I'm looking forward to Overlord, that um, World War Two like zombie occult like action horror sort of movie that's going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking forward to the girl in the spider's web for some reason. I know, I know I shouldn't, but I, I saw Lakeith Keith Stanfield in the trailer and that was kind of what intrigued me about it. It's like, I originally wasn't going to deal, deal with it. Then I was like, okay, we'll see what this is. But widows, widows, I'm really looking forward to. I think that's going to look, look great. So the girl in the spider's web, is that an original story? Is that a is that a No, they're the book. Anna, please. Is it, is it No. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. finish your question and then I'll try to answer. Because it. the original trilogy of the Swedish films had the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and then I think it ended with The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest. That's correct. So basically, I'm going to make sure I'm saying the right thing here because what happened was is that the first 3 books were published by the same author and he died before they became a worldwide success. And then the story continued by a different author and this movie, The Girl in the Spider's Web is based on the book written by that different author. Yes. So it's by David Lagerkrantz, and the original one was written by um, Stieg Larsson. So it's like kind of a spinoff, kind of not. It's just continuing, hence why it's – I guess it makes sense because I don't think Rooney Mara has any ties to the original film anymore or the rights or anything. So, yeah, that – Hence, but they but they've skipped past yeah exactly the second and third exactly. story I don't think they should have but that's just my opinion you could go see the Swedish films I do know that one controversy about this is that because not that one though because Stieg Larsson uh, passed away and they had a different author sort of like step in to fulfill the role I know that Larsson's estate is pretty much maintained by his family mm-hmm. and they are sort of like very adamant about selling the rights and actually like profiting off of this so I think that. You know, that's what part of my initial reservation about this film was. And I was just like, do I really want to watch a film that, like, I have to read more about this. I want to research more about this because I want to see what was Stieg Larsson's, like, actual, like, feelings about film adaptations of his work. Because the, the trilogy is already out there. And those books are already th- – those books were written by him and those films are, are based off of those books. But it's, like, a similar situation to, like – like Frank Herbert in the Dune series and how he passed away and his uh, son Brian Herbert like took on the role of like like trying to flesh out the backstory and those novels just aren't anywhere near as good or poignant as Frank's were just because Brian is going straight for sci-fi whereas like Frank was going for like socio-political allegory. So. Now I will Classic say, Frank. in my opinion, Claire Foy is a far better actress. Yeah. Than no, uh, Nomi Rapace and also to Rooney Mara. So, hey. eh, that's hey. fine. It's fine. You can, fight you, can, hey. you can like her. That's fine. Those are fighting words. <clears throat> Those are fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> We're having struggles with I, all sharing here's, microphones. Here's here, what I'll so. say about Claire Foy <laughs> as mm-hmm. the girl. In the spiders, Elizabeth Salander, correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Claire Foy is a better actress, but I also don't think she's necessarily. I don't know. Every time I see a right trailer, I just yeah, I just kind of find it laughable. Not because she's not good, but because I'm just like, oh boy, like 
you're trying so hard and you could be doing this in a much better environment. I don't know. There's yeah. just okay. I, I think Rooney Mara for me where I haven't seen the Numi Rapaz Swedish original trilogy, but um for me at least Rooney Mara I actually think worked because she was extremely unassuming and that's kind of the point of uh, the Elizabeth Salander character from my limited exposure. Well, I mean as far as to you she's has to be a you know she's not a Venus flytrap she is a uh, you know a more of a subtle you know what as the films go on that starts to go away a little bit true which is why I think it's awkward to have the fourth film and skip past the second and third because if you just saw the first one which was directed by David Fincher and starred Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig yeah and then you go from that to this, it, and you try to put the two together, I think you might be seeing two literally different characters, even though they're playing by a different person. True. Here's what I'll say. Uh, Fede Alvarez is directing this, and I loved Don't Breathe, and I actually have heard good things, at least decent things, about the um, Evil Dead remake that I haven't seen yet, but I've always been meaning to. Mm-hmm. Um, it stars Claire Foy, an actress who's one of my favorite currently right now. I mean, she was an Unsane, who I, I thought was, or which I thought was... She was even really good in, um, she was really good in First Man, too, which was a she... film... Was she was there? I heard. Yeah, that's the thing about her being really good in that movie is like she's good, but um, she's good wallpaper. Yeah, I I don't know. I didn't think she was given too much to do personally. I think that makes sense for the time. Uh, I guess, but women existed back then. I don't know if you disagree. Wow. Okay, (laughs) it's a film about men going to space in the 1960s. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Have you seen out. Hidden Figures? Okay. <laughs> um, but what I will say is that I, like, love all those things. Um, I there, There's even a few whatever. But everything about the, that trailer that I've seen so far just screams disaster. I mean, you have Stephen Merchant in a very random role who's supposed to be serious. And I actually liked him as a quote-unquote serious whatever in, like, Logan. But... To be a, uh, I don't know, a confidant. It just, I just feel like there's a lot of weird choices. So it's either going to be one of the better movies of the year, or it's going to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Okay. Hmm. That's a wide breath. Yeah. But yeah. are you interested in seeing it at least? I mean, if let's, I'll put it this way: mm-hmm. if one of you two is going to see it, I will go see it. Mm-hmm. But if nobody was interested in it, I would probably not go out of my you would way. Not to seek it out. Correct. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll plan a day. And I'll go see it. <laughs> there you go. So one of the films that I'm really looking forward to uh, for the end of the year is probably a film that um, I don't want to say nobody else is interested in, but a lot of people are poo-pooing. Nutcracker in the Four Realms. I will be taking a pass on that, I believe. <laughs> but I am very interested to see what The Crimes of Grindelwald is. Because a lot of people are already turned off by that series who did not like the original Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. And also by Johnny Depp, which is beyond understandable. Yeah. However, I am somebody who loved the original film uh, in this particular series. Uh, I like a lot of the actors in this film, um, and I liked a lot of the actors in the previous film. And... um, I am just interested to see what this is going to be and uh, how it's going to tie to the rest of the Potter series because I'm assuming we're going to get way more of things like Young Voldemort and more of 
uh, Dumbledore than we're currently getting in this particular film, and Did you I want to see what that looks like. This is number two out of five. Yes. Plan. Yeah, th- this, this is feeling like a, a, a Hobbit situation. I agree. Even The Hobbit wasn't that stretched out. Hobbit was originally supposed to be four films, I think, wasn't but, it? No, it was two, but and at then least they made that it was three. three yeah. But at least that was three films stretched out from an existing property. Like, there were pages written. <laughs> yeah, there were pages written, Here, and then they decided to, like, like five films from this pages idea in. that I had when I was drinking coffee at midnight and was trying I to figure out say, how to make more money on Harry Potter. I will say... Pretty much. I'm with you on that aspect of it. However, I thought the first film was actually very good. And I'm interested to see what happens in the sandbox because I could see it expanding just as the Harry Potter films expanded. Now, there were a lot of books on it, but at the same time, uh, that doesn't mean that you cannot expand on that universe and do it and do it well. The biggest thing, because I'll probably go see it, even though I, I hated the first one, but the biggest thing that I'll be looking for as a non-fan is if Jude Law... Now, yeah, he's playing Dumbledore, young he Dumbledore. Is. Mm-hmm. And if he is as wasted as Colin Farrell was in the in the first movie because not drunk, but no. <laughs> no, but wasted. Unused. Yeah. Yep. Um <clears throat> so I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that as much as I don't want this to turn into like the Dumbledore prequel, I also feel like Save Me Jude Law, you're my only hope. Yeah. Yeah. So So a couple other films I am very much looking forward to. Actually, uh I don't really know why, because this doesn't really seem like a film that's up my alley, but I'm somewhat interested in the content, and I think it's actually going to lead to a couple of really good performances, and that film is Mary, Queen of Scots. Same. Right? Starring uh, Margot Robbie and Saoirse Ronan uh, as they're playing Queen Elizabeth I and Mary Stewart, and it looks like they are both giving amazing performances in the trailer. And also, the cinematography looks fantastic. And then the other two films that I'm looking forward to uh, to round out the year, big time, are also Overlord, that Tucson already mentioned. Uh, the idea of historical fiction always interests me, and it seems like this has a chance to be good and not in a Cowboys versus Aliens way. <laughs> and also, too, uh, another film that seems like a film I'm probably going to hate, but I'm intrigued to see, is the new Natalie Portman film, Vox Lux. Which, again, looks... that come out this year? It does. It comes out in uh, early December. It looks like a film that I'm going to absolutely hate. But I am very intrigued because I think Natalie Portman's actually a fabulous actress. And I think she's got a chance here to put on another wonderful performance. And I think I could hate the movie. So, we'll see. Cool. I'll really quickly... I was going to say, we're kind of just taking turns here. This is just turned into that, but that's okay. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only film that's still basically uh, longing over my radar is Suspiria. I've, um, I feel like maybe it hasn't been documented, maybe it has, but I've been on board for a Suspiria remake since the start. Not because like I want to see remakes of all my favorite things, but... Because I genuinely think that the original Argento film is fantastic, but also is not wholly unique in its ideology, that I could see another filmmaker spinning it in a different way. I do have to interrupt what I'm saying really quickly, though, because what the fuck are you doing, Tisa? It's just because every time somebody says Suspiria, I always think of Rihanna's Disturbia. (laughs) 
Okay. Cognizant. Glad I asked that question. Bum 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 bum. I think Toussaint is secretly way more into pop music than we know. You know, I like pop music. You know, I'll say don't listen to Ariana Grande. You know, I like I like pop music. I liked the new Ariana Grande single. We were made aware. And you know what? I've also been listening to the new Earl Sweatshirt song that came out, and it's pretty good too. Pop. You know what? I listen to a lot of music. I listen to a lot of music. I also like the new James Blake. I know that sounds. I don't know. James Blake is kind of a dick, but you know his music's okay sometimes. Well, you're beautiful. Sometimes oh, I'm thank happy. you. You're beautiful. It's true. Continue, please Man, you're do. Almost done with your first beer. This is <laughs> this is so, usual. Um. So yeah. So Spiria, everything I've heard about it obviously makes it sound like it's kind of a winner if you're looking for the right things. And this film from last year was right up your alley. So it was, and the yeah. fact that he went from he pivoted, I would say, a hard right from a down-to-earth uh, adaptation of a uh, Tuscan romance to a deeply surreal and uh, chilling horror. Um, Is this filmed on film? Do you know? Do you, oh. do you know? Do you know? You know what I'm talking um, about? It sure looks like it. If it's definitely, not, it's going to look call like me a... by your name was because I haven't seen this in yeah. the theater. I don't know if this was or not. I wouldn't be shocked if it was though. Yeah, the uh, the color grading and the texture, at least on the trailer that I saw, I was a little bit like weirded out because yeah. like this looks like a looks like an older film like not, not yeah. like just in terms of its its I would not be surprised at all. Right. Um, the look in the first trailer had a very Hitchcock feel. There was also like the stinger that was like sort of stretched over the course of the trailer but no I I totally get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I feel that. Yeah. Um and then the only thing that I'll mention uh minorly is that um A I'm interested in seeing Joseph Kahn's new film called Bodied. Uh, Joseph Kahn is the auteur behind a film that uh, Alex hated uh, that I made Tucson and Alex watch called Detention. I like Detention. I've heard some mixed readings on Yeah, I'm not uh, necessarily looking forward to it to see if I like it so much as just to see what it is. What's up? So Detention was the one with Josh Josh Hutcherson, right? Yes, it was. So Joseph Kahn is known for directing music videos. And Detention was like his, I think it was his first feature film. I liked Detention a lot. I didn't know he was coming out with another. Yes. That's really cool. Detention is great. It was actually his second. His first was Torque, which... They make fun of in detention mm-hmm. because one of the students says, "Did you see that Torque movie?" And he's like, "Yeah, that was a real piece of shit." Because even he has a sense of humor about yeah. himself. Body um, is produced by Eminem. I it know. is, yeah. and so I will admit, as someone who is one of the, uh, it's uh, I'm like Burgess Meredith at in the episode of. Uh, Twilight Zone time enough at last where I'm like the only man on earth that's still slightly into Eminem. Um, <laughs> nice Burgess Meredith reference. Thank you. And um, me, Mick. I'll admit that I, <laughs> I'm slightly interested just to see what it is, especially because it's not starring Eminem, so it seems less like a vanity project and mm-hmm. more just like him, you know, informing the film itself. And also, really deep cut, I found out earlier today that in the movie is the actor Simon Rex, who in Scary Movie Three played the Marshall Mathers character uh, parodied of Eight Mile. That is wow. so. The fact that he's in a serious movie about rap battles is, semi-serious yeah is, 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 well yeah I mean yeah. semi but it's, it's Joseph Conn not scary movie esque right. serious so. before yeah. you hand it off to yes. one of the ladies to let us know what they're looking forward to ladies 
I know you have missed something, and I want to bring it up because I want you to hear your thoughts on it and just about uh, yes what you're looking forward to about it, and that is the new Lars von Trier film, The House That Jack Built. Oh, so, boy. Okay, you know what? Actually, I'd probably put that as number one. I was yep. just looking through Wikipedia, and they didn't list that because they're fucking jerks. <laughs> um, that's probably my number one. Uh, you know, the thing about Lars von Trier is that I love Lars von Trier but I'm not like in love with him in the sense that every time he releases a new movie, I am s- simultaneously super pumped to see it, but also completely ready to hate it. Like I am not there day one, just to like PTA, just to jack off to it, you know? Um, but he's that kind of guy who he makes art that is aimed to repulse. Yeah. And I'm always ready to be repulsed. Like if I don't like it, I will firmly stand, uh, in that, because I seems not like eliminating you might have a, why it seems you like it. you might have a winner here. Yeah. I gotta tell you, and I, so that's why I'm excited. Because either way, there's a conversation to be had. But I gotta say, I think Matt Dillon looks perfectly casted, and I think Matt Dillon's got to be a murderer in real life, right? I I would assume so. Like he must have killed somebody. Also, the fact that this movie before it got made was actually kind of being advertised as quote unquote influenced by Donald Trump. Like not literally. I think he's just saying that. Like he's a provocateur. And he's oh, and I think so shit. too. Yeah. I, I'm not looking for any perils or anything like that. But just having that stupid fucking soundbite in my head just makes me want to watch it even more because I'm just that kind but of. But this status. has a very, at least with just seeing the trailer, not seeing the final film, has a very American Psycho feel to it. Mm-hmm. At least from the outside, and, and people walked and that, out of it. So, but American Psycho was a film that people didn't like initially and it became a very cult film true so but i don't think lars von trier has that kind of uh like i mean he has a crossover appeal well i was gonna say yeah probably that but also i don't think he has a i think he has a very limited shelf life as far as Mm -hmm. if you like his films you like it but it does not come back around um if you watch Antichrist today, you know, made however many years, actually. It's, I mean, obviously it's not old, but it's a good... It's a decade? Yeah, yeah, roughly. Like, if you like it, if you watch it today, you're not going to like it more or less than when it came out. His movies do not age. No. In it, in its a, but uh, I will say, of all the trailers of I've seen of his films, and I've really only seen the two-parter of Nymphomaniac, so I need to catch up on my Lars Van Trier. Yeah, boy. Yeah, I do. Um... Of all the films, this seems like the most that could draw people in without seeing it. Yeah, although the trailer makes it seem like it's extra sadistic. I mean, Melancholia was, you might consider that more boring, but I feel like that's slightly more of a draw than Matt Dillon going around and like literally uh, tying people to his truck and dragging them across concrete. I want to say one last thing about Bodied because I did see the trailer for that. Yeah. Um, I've sort of read some like pre-release like coverage about it that's talking about how it takes a task, um, the politically correct climate or something like that. And, and I don't, I don't, I'm not really a, I don't really vibe with that. But there was one line in the, in the trailer that I did enjoy. It was like one of the opening like bars that they did. It's like I think he, it's when the guy, the main guy, is being insulted another person in a rap battle and he like claps back at him and he says you may look like Kim Jong Un but you're not ill son and I was like that is a fucking <laughs> great bar yeah. that is amazing i love that and, and he's I, like oh it's also like if anything it's it's um it's it's uh 
politically conscious or it's like uh, like sensitive. Yeah. Because he's actually like curry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then before I pass it off, I will say I just remembered one other thing, which is a movie called Cammed, which is about a uh, a cam girl who makes her living uh, doing those types of activities for okay. money. And one day she logs on to her account and somebody who looks just like her is performing. Perfect and blue! She, and she's locked in, locked out of her account and it's kind of a, uh, I would say, sexploitation meets the Twilight Zone where... Um, oh boy, yeah, this does seem up your alley. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> reviews have been mixed, but no matter how bad it is, I will certainly go and at least try it. Sorry, so. there are people that said Unsane is bad and they're all idiots, so fuck That them. is true. So <laughs> That's uh, the last thing I'll say. Okay. Nope. No. After you. Wow, we're all we're all being really sure. nice here. Please, you go first. Oh, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go to the review. Fuck it. Um. So I know Alex, you mentioned one of the films I'm excited for this year is Mary Queen of, Queen of Scots, and and also Mary Cream of Scots. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't forget the cream. That's, yeah, that's the a, creme. That's Come a on now. One. No, creme de that, la creme that, la that really does look. First of all, it has two, I actually think, somewhat underrated actresses in I it. Agree. And just that queen look, even though the favorite is going to have a similar-ish thing going mm-hmm. on. But just the sort of over-the-top makeup and the um, all the internal politics that were happening at that time, especially upon females. It seems like it has a chance to be a very interesting... Uh, smart female catfight uh, from a totally different time period. So it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, I'm very interested to see if this plays any role in there's so there is a theatrical production okay. of Mary Queen of Scots as well. Um, I actually saw it when I went to the Shakespeare Strat or the Stratford Shakespeare Theater Festival um, a few years ago. Where was that at? Uh, Stratford, Ontario. Oh, wow. That is so cool that you went yeah, there. Like, like it was awesome. incredible. Is it really? Um, cool. It's, yeah. Um, and it was with two outstanding actresses, and I can't recall their names at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Lily Lohan. <laughs> and... No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Mary Kate Olsen. Fuck Ashley Olsen. No, fuck her. What she's the a, fuck? She's, yes. she's just a dumb bulimic. That's fine. It's the same person. They're just moving back and forth really fast. Um, Mind blown. (laughs) Um, Dinosaurs can't see her. (laughs) Yes. Um, But I had seen the stage production of Mary Queen of Scots, and it absolutely blew my mind. Um, It was so well done stage-wise. And even, like, the friends that I had gone with who had seen it, too – at intermission, it was this beautiful moment where um, the sisters kind of face off against each other. Um, and just as um, Mary turns to Elizabeth, um, like they, they, it was a beat of them looking at each other, blackout, and then lights come up and they're gone. Um, and it was this beautiful moment. Um, and just everything about the production was so well done that I'm interested to know if this film can bring anything new to the relationship that those sisters have um, or had. They're not alive still. Um, I hope. Um, That would be a record. Right? Um, 
but I'm curious to see what sort of dynamic there is and whether or not maybe there's some new light to be shed on it. Or if there is, if this follows very closely with the theatrical play itself. Um, and, and if there is, then in that case, um, I'm definitely going to be interested in seeing it, obviously. But nonetheless, I'm I'm still excited to see what it, how historically it it appears and just like the story behind the sisters. What's awesome about this too is, is I hit on a little bit, but the idea that they have two uh, actresses that are really on different ends of the spectrum in terms of what their careers have been so yeah. far. You said it once, but who are this Margot Robbie and who? And Saoirse Ronan. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And what's awesome about the two of them is that Margot Robbie has done things like Wolf of Wall Street and Suicide Squad yeah. and that Will Smith movie and uh, Saoirse Ronan. I, Tanya. And I, Tanya. Yeah. That was kind of her first big, I think, uh, well, since no, since it, her introduction after Wolf of Wall yes. Street, that was her first big actual like <laughs> theatrical film. You're doing this. I don't know why I like touching <laughs> I my chest subconsciously. hair. Subconsciously. Yeah. What? What? What are you talking oh about? What are you talking about? See, Nick, why are you doing this? You're making this my your... mind out of the gutter. Seriously. I went and saw the Wolf of Wall Street and I'm sorry, but the only audience participation in that entire screening was a bunch of people, not myself. <laughs> hollering and whooping when Margot Robbie... Really? Yes, You saw that with a really a amateur audience. I did. I'm not saying I didn't. We did go see um, The Hateful Eight, um, and there was that one guy You're who... taking a different direction here, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You're, you're, take, you're, you're going from guys who want to see a woman naked to uh, a bunch guy of... who wants to see a woman hung? It's the same kind of devaluation. Oh. I'll give two some of this. I don't know, man. I think that's a different group of people, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think the... It's still, it still echoes in my mind. I think the <laughs> diagram is slightly more concentric than we think. Okay. You might be right. Mm. At the same time, trying to get back to reel this in a little bit, as uh, as we've gotten off topic here. Uh, I'm I'm so sorry. Nah, I'm so sorry right. about it. You've been on, You both have been on many episodes, but I, I, I can't stop apologizing for myself and my co-hosts, because we're... We're not great people. I apologize. Thank you, Tucson. I appreciate that. I am not apologizing. Yes. Nick will never apologize. We know that. We know. It's okay. That's fine. Anyways, so I guess what I'll say is that I'm just excited because they are from two different spectrums, and they're both wonderful actresses. Mm -hmm. And um, this is a film that I feel like they both have a chance to make a staple in both of their careers, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I agree. Um, to veer from that conversation Yes, please do. Now. I'm so sorry. Um, I just no, totally stole your Don't worry. segment. <laughs> I made my statement and we're good. Okay. Um, and then the other one that I'm interested in seeing is If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, and that comes out in December. Um, and it, I'll read the little synopsis for those of you who are unfamiliar with it. Um, a woman in Harlem desperately scrambles to prove her fiancé innocent of a crime while carrying their first child. And who is it directed by? <laughs> you quizzing her? No, I just I just want to... Yeah. like Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins. The guy who directed Moonlight. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, adapted from a James Baldwin novel. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm not so white, am I, Tucson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about, like, Sam? What, what else? 
Um, Sounds like yeah. a yes. Um, I'm very interested to see it just because I really liked, um, as you mentioned, he also directed Moonlight. Um, I am very interested interested because that was visually very appealing for a film to me. Um, and that was beautiful. So I can only imagine what this can be. Um, and I'm kind of interested to see what can be done with it. Um, so yeah, that one's, that one looks exciting as well. Um, and aside from those two, I mean, I haven't really taken an interest into much else that looks too interesting to me at the moment. There's only two months left. Yeah, it feels to me like this is going to be a bit of a slow Oscar season in mm-hmm. terms of films mm-hmm. being released. There's not a bunch of heavyweights that are coming out. There's a bunch of films that I think are going to fly a little bit under the radar initially and then pick up steam as we go on. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And, uh, All right. You get um, to go last. Okay. Right. Yay. <laughs> um, so my list is pretty different from everybody else's all right but let's get to it okay number one ralph breaks the internet um so that's the sequel advertisement for disney in a film exactly so i am kind of a sucker for that that second trailer and yes okay thank you thank you for that awesome answer and um i am just shamelessly like a vhs disney child still so um disney Disney princesses and stormtroopers that's all you need disney princesses everywhere in street clothes oh my gosh Mm -hmm. i'm so excited and then not looking for i'm gonna also say what i'm not looking forward to not robin hood (laughs) oh yeah okay i completely agree that's a thing every time yeah no taron egerton's playing i mean i'm gonna have to see it oh shit i I repressed that jamie fox is in it because ben mendelson is in it yeah you'll be there so i have to do my duty but i'm not gonna be from nottingham yeah but i'm not gonna be happy i'll go see it with you okay and then um, i dragged you to see a ben mendelson film like five years ago so there you go that reminds me jamie dornan is also in robin hood but he's also in that movie coming out called a private war so ever since 50 shades i mean good for him okay oh yeah Um, so here's the thing though about turn egerton yes just found out today he is not going to be in the next Kingsman. And I, I saw the headline too. I don't know how that's going to work, and so, I fucking love it. <laughs> when I no, yeah, when I read that, headline, is that just going to be a Channing Tatum driven film? I would hope so. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when I people that, people do like working with him, supposedly. Yeah, I, I guess he's like a great person to work with, including I, female eyes. So that's fine. I, and male. I don't think so. <laughs> no. No, not not I don't, not I don't think he's. Thing. I don't think he's. Hey, Tucson, can you just move a little bit so that way uh, Anna can leave? <laughs> Whoa! Well, Nicholas, <laughs> what did I tell you when we started this podcast? Always you don't need to be on your best testicles. behavior. Oh wait, what? Like this episode or this podcast in general? <laughs> this episode. Okay, I was gonna say we've been going for 174 episodes here. I got to admit, when I saw that headline mm-hmm. about uh, Taryn, your first uh, reaction was yes. No. Well, I mean, I don't like him, and I'm not a big fan of the... But at my for like an hour, I was kind of like, well, that's fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point or whatever? Mm-hmm. But then once that hour was over, and I was done taking my shit, I realized that that was actually maybe the best thing that, that could happen to that franchise. So now I'm actually kind of excited. 
So I'm done. All right. Cool. Um, another one that I'm not, like, I guess I'm a little intrigued by just because the trailer was so good was that new Peter Jackson movie, Mortal Engines. That, that looks, looks a- awful. That's not a Peter Jackson film, by the way. It's not. They keep I'm trying thinking to of bill some- it as such. Well, he's, he's, he, he did the screenplay, if I... Uh, he did... He, I remember his he name. Did something. Damn it, I'm, I'm just a fooled audience member. They're, they're basically calling it a, quote, a Peter Jackson film because of the right. fact that the guy who directed it has been a lifetime collaborator with Peter Jackson. Which is fine. Uh, which, yeah, but... This is a film that the trailer debuted 16 months ago and is not a good thing. The thing yeah, the- I did see it on TV like a long time yes. ago and I was like, oh, that trailer is really short. I like that. Never a good thing. Okay. The only thing I don't understand is that I know. you said you don't want to see it though. I know, but I just thought th- I just wanted to <laughs> say hoping. I just wanted to say that the trailer was good. So I was intrigued by the trailer. This film has something going for it that no other film has going for it at the current time because it has Hugo Weaving in it, who <laughs> he knows the way to my heart. So oh. I should be all in on this because he's playing the villain in this. I mean, you're probably going to go see it. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but unfortunately, it'll be, it'll be like my Robin Hood, and your it will be like legend. I don't want to see this. But yeah. the fact that Mr. Smith is coming back as a different villain, I'm all in for that. Yeah. Nice. No, and the only thing I don't understand though about the trailers is that it's 2018, and we still think that "quote unquote" a Peter Jackson film is some kind of mainstream sell. Why don't you direct something? Yeah. <laughs> I, or why even put his name on it? Like I don't understand why they think that that's going to actually boost the film. When's the last film he actually directed? The Hobbits, like besides oh, that, did. yeah, That's I right. think it's he did meant to trick people. Yeah, with like maybe well, like poor reading retention, they'll just like scroll over and they'll see like Peter Jackson's name. It's like, oh, Lord of the Rings, I remember that. Hobbit, like, I don't remember that. The thing, and then though. you'll s- sit in and be like, oh, what the fuck? He didn't direct this. If I didn't see Peter Jackson's name, butts and seats. <laughs> if I didn't see Peter Jackson's name attached to the film. Might be more interested in it because I'd be like, even if the trailer doesn't do it for me, I might be like, well, at least here's a new, you know, voice. But this is the this is the Steven Spielberg syndrome, pretty yes. much that Hollywood has had for a long time, where he puts his name on it, gets an executive producer uh, yes. credit, and his like Judd fucking Apatow name is everywhere. Comedy. Yes, yes, it's just everywhere over it, and this may have nothing to do with him. So. Yeah. Which I don't necessarily know if that's the case here. Yeah. But. but yeah, I agree. Yeah, so, okay, well, thank you for teaching me something because now that's just, that's kind of a bummer that they marketed Sorry, it like that. It for you. you didn't ruin anything, but I mean, I, like I just, like things. I said, I thought the trailer was cool. When myself and Kenny and Nick went to go see Halloween, Kenny said the same thing, and he's like, I'm really excited to see Mortal Engines, that new Peter Jackson movie. Like, he didn't direct. He's like, the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, dude, That's but no, nah, he didn't. He sat at home and grew a beard. <laughs> mm. um, uh, like Tucson, I'm also excited for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um, I saw Venom, but I didn't stay after to see the long scene they showed, evidently, you of the missed. movie. It was still a good move. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never seen an animated superhero movie in theaters, so I think I want to see this in theaters. I'm really looking forward to that. And then also, when they showed the trailer for Mary Poppins, I almost cried like a baby. I hear you. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, because when they announced it, I was like, you know what? You can't top 
Julie Andrews, nothing is better than her. Nothing is better than I my like childhood. I've heard this in my home before. Exactly. <laughs> and then I see this trailer and I'm like, oh man, this looks so good. And no. they use 2D animation, no. which really sold it. The to initial me. trailer that came out a long time ago, I want to say during the Super Bowl, was shit. And the full trailer that came oh, yeah. out like two months ago was awesome yes so it, it was it was the full trailer that i saw they showed it during the emmys i swear that was the trailer i'm thinking yeah. of yeah and i was like oh my god i'm really excited for that i and- mean the fact that you have emily blunt who's a fantastic actress yes. lynn manuel uh lynn manuel miranda who is obviously yes. one of the more talented people mm-hmm. uh currently in the theatrical world uh, and then the fact that you've brought back Dick Van Dyke and Angela Lansbury somehow, and 2D animation, I mean, the whole package just screams, it, yes. something's got to be good here. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to that. More than I thought, because when I heard it announced, I was like, no. But mm-hmm. now it's completely changed for me. Um, also, g- go ahead. Really quickly. Yes. I'm sorry. No. I keep stepping on everyone's segments. <laughs> no, so. you're not. We're all really excited Ow, to talk toes. about movies. Because you're stepping on toes. I said segments, toast? but that's okay. Toes. Toast. And also stepping on toast. Okay. Fucking asshole. Don't you step on my toes. <laughs> uh, the scene with the very, I think it's butterflies that are flying around them, the family and Lin-Manuel Miranda and uh I think Emily it might Blunt. be birds, but birds something flying. Bu- it was something. Uh, incredible. Yes. Like, to have 2D animation going around people, I mean, that's just next-level shit. It's really that's cool, awesome. especially since a few years ago, Disney did shut down their 2D animation studios, so now... Their like, last 2D film was Princess and the Frog, and it was a huge disaster. Right, it didn't go over well, So, okay. and that's that's a bummer, because that had a lot of potential, and it just didn't resonate. Also, um, too, Ben Wishaw is in this, and he's a fantastic under-the-radar actor. He is, yeah. I like him from the new James Bond movies. I think he's, he's really... Great. He also yeah. does the voice of Paddington. Good for him. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever seen the Paddington films? No. Uh, they're both fabulous. They are. <laughs> Do you really think so? Is that oh, sarcastic? No, 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 no. no. They're actually they're both really oh, okay. good. fucking amazing. They're both really I'm good. I'm glad that yeah. they're good. I didn't know they were good. No, no. You should definitely it, see it, them It out. doesn't cool. seem like it from the trailer, because actually the trailers for both the films actually suck, yeah. but both movies are actually very good. I think it's hard to sell. That for is... different reasons, too. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They're That's awesome. Fantastic. They're very good. Yep. Very mm-hmm. cool. Okay. And then also, I might be the only person, but I am sticking to my guns. Aquaman? No, you're not. I oh, good. am okay. excited to see what it is. You you may have not noticed this, uh, but Nick has sort of become yeah. really into comic books. Really into DC. DC specifically? I feel like yeah. that's mostly what I've been reading. He's graduated. I have. Yeah. Oh, Aww. stop it now. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you no. both know the DC shit, right? <laughs> well, <Yeah>. who cares? <laughs> well, the comics are good, and the animated films are good. The, the, animated, the animated series yeah. are the animated films um, and exemplary. Are so. great. I'm, I know, referring. I know to exactly what <laughs> we talk about action. on this podcast. I know. Yeah, yeah. But no, no I, and I'm all with you. But I will say that that trailer actually I did enjoy. I I enjoyed the parkour for no reason. If um, they go all into fish people attacking each other for the last thirty minutes, I'm game. <laughs> Hell yeah. I thought Nicole Kidman looked batshit crazy in a fun way. I thought I uh, am really surprised that she signed on to a DC property, but good good for her. 
You know what I feel like I feel thing. right. I mean, yes, that's a very good point. But still, but at the same time, I I, feel I like see she it fits in. in yes, DC. she DC does fit in. Cold. I see a lot of actors like her who have like really long resumes. They've been on the scene for a while. They've mostly gotten lead roles, and then I see somebody like supposedly Jake Gyllenhaal wanting to be Batman, and I'm like, fuck off, yeah. stay away, stay yeah. far away, he please. He reminds me of a sim. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, can you detail that, please? Like, what do you mean? I mean, so, like, in the the game Sims, yeah. he looks like the second, uh, like, Sims 2, um, because oh, he's got the big these eyes. these are specific graphics. Um, yeah, th- yeah, it is, because yeah. their graphics changed drastically from Sims 1 to Sims 2 to oh, Sims 3, did. and then now, apparently, there's a Sims 4, which oh, yeah. I didn't know there was originally. Well, that's okay. Um, but he, he just looks so jovial all the time. He's got like big eyes and he just looks like he's ready to be like, deg, deg, you know, (laughs) (laughs) trap him in a fucking like swimming pool with no fucking ladder, no diving board. Yeah. Maybe like every now and then, like if he bumps into something, he'd be like, oh, and you know, like, I bet you he does do that in, like, real life. Oh my God. <laughs> That's the thing! <laughs> He's such a fucking simpleton. God damn it, Nick. But he just has that sort of, like, appearance of, like, always being jovial no matter, like, what goes wrong, you know? And, and he just, I don't know. It... Yeah, that's just my two cents in it. I'm never going to not think of Jake Gyllenhaal that way. Right? Once you see it, you can't unsee it. He's the everyman. Oh, man. <laughs> I wonder if he thinks sex is like actual whoopee. <laughs> like, oh my god! With emojis and uh, dust clouds. Yeah. And then there's like the the soulful like baby making music underneath it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the little pedals mm-hmm. that go everywhere. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. Yes, I'm, continue. I'm so sorry. I, no, don't. That is that was so funny. Oh my god. Um, don't yeah, look at me. that sim needs to stay away from Batman. Is what I'm saying. Christian Bale will be the next Batman. Yes. Bank on it. He'll be back. Christopher Nolan, too. Oh, my God. I can see Nolan. Whoa, you got a thing for Christian Bale's Batman. Yes, he's my favorite Batman. No. Did I not tell you this? It goes deeper than that. I can see. No. That's okay. He's my favorite Batman. I've talked about this. She she was shaking. Charlize Theron is my favorite Furiosa. Well. See? Everybody has a favorite That's something. Fine. Christian Bale okay. is actually super good as Batman, and some people disagree on that. I but really like okay. Batman. He's good. Yeah. He's good as Batman. It, Christopher Nolan being there doesn't hurt. Right. They're going to come back, and that's how DC's going to try to right the ship. Guaranteed. <laughs> they're well, just Christopher gonna throw, Nolan is they're never gonna throw all that water off away the boat. from DC. No, but he's never directed a film. No, I mean, obviously. But I, he has actually played, even though Zack Snyder has been given all the credit, which for understandable reasons, for directing the house style of the current iteration, uh, it wouldn't have really happened without Nolan. Uh, not just because of what he did on no, but his he, films, but... He's going to be brought in to write the ship. Maybe. Because that is the simplest answer yeah. and that's all the dc can figure out. I can see that maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Aquaman though. Um I feel like it's either going to be super fun or horrible. Yeah, or that's going to be that, funny yeah. either way. Yeah, that yes. I hope so because the Meg was not fun. No. <laughs> but that was led by Jason Statham and Rain Wilson. 
Yeah. At least there are actors in this. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Just saying. Amber, um, Heard, Amber Heard could be good. I agree. But I, I mean, really Nicole, like Amber Heard a lot. I'm excited to see her. Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Uh, I've loved her ever since the Playboy Club got canceled. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I ever since it got canceled, I've loved on her. On NBC. Yeah. I know. I'm so happy you know what I'm talking about. Nobody, oh. I, I don't even bring it up anymore. I, I, I am one of the only people, I think, that watched the show about um, Pan Am called Pan Am. Pan Am, yeah, mm-hmm. with Christina Ricci and Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie yeah, was yes. Um, that was like in like a couple years before Playboy Club, I think. Yes. Yeah. And I actually thought that was a extremely enjoyable show. I agree. Um, it didn't have long legs, just like the airline. <laughs> That's the problem with those networks. But anyway, that's another yeah. conversation. Also, um, I didn't remember this until this right film came up on this list I'm looking at right now. On the basis of sex looks really good. Um, oh, Peter yes, movie? Yeah. exactly. Yeah, that was a real downer, by the way. As we're recording this on the day that she fell and broke ribs and yeah. was to the hospital, it wasn't there for the <laughs> photo for Judge Kavanaugh's. Induction. Hmm. <laughs> what a shade. That is a yeah. commitment to shade, to just not be there. Yes, it is. She yeah. fell. Yeah. <laughs> and that movie is directed by Mimi Leader, who is a outstanding television director who directed a lot of great episodes of The Leftovers. That and is really cool. That film, to me, seems like it could be pretty boilerplate. Yeah. But, but she's I, very t- I hope talented. it's not. Right. No, no, she is, yeah. and uh, Felicity Jones is a fabulous actress, but at the same time, yeah. uh, from the trailer, it seems like there's a chance it could be very... For sure. Yeah. Um, two things I want to say. I know just really fast before we actually get to the movie. Um, oh, we're not talking about that. <laughs> so Alex had mentioned that this Oscar season might be pretty slow, which... Mm-hmm. I do pretty much agree with, um, but I'm already making some predictions. Ooh. Best original song is going to go to whatever song they pick for A Star is Born, and best Probably. costume design is going to go to Mary Queen of Scots. I can see that already. Yeah. We're really? Yeah. I, I feel like that's kind of an easy guess. Yeah, I was going to But still, I, I'm not an expert. <laughs> I heard the song uh, from A Star is Born, um, Shallow on the radio the other day and it freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> like genuinely I got chills and not for In a good way? No. <laughs> I was just kinda pissed off. It's kinda fucked up in the And I don't even mind that song. It's not a bad song. But it it's not it's not a real song. That film will be nominated for Best Picture. Oh yeah. I mean So will First Man. So will Bradley Cooper, by the way. I That's I funny. would put money on that he'll be nominated for Best Director. Not that he would win but I feel like they're going to be like, what? This southern boy made this movie? It seems like Yorgos Lanthimos will be nominated for Best Director and know. The Favor will be nominated for Best Picture. They don't like to do... I understand that. Foreign unless you're Mexican. And that's like a... I'm just saying, that's like a border pity boat. Those are the three films that I'm thinking of off the top of my head that are like a lot to be uh, nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Nick is 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 speaking as a jaded award show watcher who knows how the Game of Thrones is played. So yeah. here's the thing about That's Nick, true. though, true. because Nick, at Who's some Nick? level, yeah, 
Nick at some level despises the Oscars, but yet watches it from start to finish every year. Because he's a committed <laughs> I cinephile. I do not watch it start to yeah. finish. Really? That's the sad part, is every year I watch it, and then an hour and a half, I like, fuck this shit. Like, I always have to try. But now, okay, here's the thing. Growing up, I watched it start to finish, and maybe the last one I did. And, like, if I'll go over to, like, like when I went over to your house, like, I'll do it for for any... For for no reason at all. Well, the last one probably got you because you missed the ending uh, yeah. of the Moonlight fiasco. Yeah, because that time I was over at Sarah's house and Sam's throwing shit at me. I'm yeah, sorry. Right. I, I got really upset. I know. That you missed that. Sam, I know. you don't have I to throw a, it at me. I was she, upset, too. She was. She's still pissed that La La Land did not win Best Picture. Uh, we all are. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oscar's so black. Yeah. Anyway. No, but um, I have a hard time getting through the entire telecast. Oh, I could understand that. Um, Definitely. <laughs> even though now it's easier to do it, because now I can fast forward. Like, think about it that way. When I was young, I couldn't fast forward through anything, and yet I was like eating that shit up. Now I can fast forward through things, and I'm just like, why the fuck am I watching this? Well, the other thing is, too, apparently they're going to try to shorten it up this year. And they try that every year. I was going to say, they make anything. that announcement, and then and it's then, the same producer yeah. who does it every yeah. year, and then he just does the same thing. Well, they, yeah. And they already got rid of Best Popular Film, and I'm very upset about that, because I really wanted to see that dumpster fire. <laughs> you know, yeah. I kind of wanted to see that dumpster fire, too. Yeah. I did, too. They and put the Sean Freud Award goes, too. They put the feeler out there, and it got a very negative reaction. Oh, yes. And then it was gone, which... It's fine. I just hope we can have Sylvester Stallone somewhere on there talking about how he should have won instead of the black people. I'm glad you brought up uh, Tweety Bird. Um, I know you're excited for Creed, too. I was actually just about to say, that's my one uh, blockbuster that I forgot to mention, but that I'm actually very excited for. Uh, So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I love So here's the thing about Creed, too. Yes. And it's the sequel to Creed. Sort of. It's a sequel to two films, which is really kind of weird. That is true. Because this is... The Robot Rocky movie. I don't want to say it's uncharted territory, but it kind of is. Because it's a sequel to Creed 2, and it's also a sequel to Rocky 4. It's like, how do they do that? I don't know, but you don't see a film very often that's a sequel to two movies. At the same time, simultaneously. So, the thing about this, though, that's so fucked up, is that it's... Apollo Creed's son fighting Ivan Drago's son, and Ivan Drago killed his father, but Rocky beat Ivan. It's, oh man, I don't oh, yeah. know. There's a lot there to chew on, actually. Oh, absolutely. And everybody's coming for revenge against somebody. I Okay, here's the thing. I'm not a Rocky enthusiast, mm-hmm. and yet in the Creed 2 trailer, the one scene, at least the glimpse that we get of Rocky standing next to Ivan Drago, like, I got chills. In a good way. Earlier, I got bad chills. This time, I'm getting good chills. Mm. So. Okay. Good to know. I think that movie is actually not going to be good, but I'll go see it. Oh, okay, cool. So we can go together now. Okay. So, <coughs> I'm dying. I'm sorry. It's okay. Stay with us. Anyone out there in the land of podcasting that wants to... Tell us here at Film Tank about what they're looking forward to for the rest of 2018. Can always feel free to send that on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com or make an attempt to find us at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. Toussaint is dancing again. No, it's like the pre- it's like the predator hiding in the foliage. Like you might find us, but really 
There's bongos. Yeah, we'll be gone. Yeah. Like Donkey Kong. So today we are talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, the film about Freddie Mercury and the rest of Queen, uh, directed sort of by Brian Singer, uh, who most people would know from the X-Men films, including the original and X2, and then also Days of Future Past and Apocalypse. And he gave an effort here for a while, and then he was kind of gone, and he was kind of back, and it turned into a whole thing. He cried about it. Actually, yeah, I think so. No, like, literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did. Yeah. I'm okay with making fun of him and his mental health because he's used it as a cover-up for sexually abusing people. So. Yeah, I'm not a fan of uh, him. Same. I'm not that okay. bad of a person. I'm just that just of a, of a moral uh, sheriff. Okay, yeah. I think that's fair. Where's your badge? Ooh. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> keep it, keep it, keep it together. Uh, don't, don't wow. do that. That would so be taking out my word. Yeah. <laughs> I trust you now, okay? So the film centers uh, really easily around the chronicles of the years leading up to Queen's legendary appearance at the 1985 Live Aid concert, and stars Rami Malik as Freddie Mercury, also. Lucy Boynton as Mary Austin, his wife and friend, uh, for better or worse. And then a bunch of other people most people probably haven't heard of. But there were some people who show up here who people have heard of, included Joseph Mazzello, yeah. who is from uh, the original Jurassic Park. Um, he plays the bass player in here. I think most people know him from no. the seminal kids' no. action-adventure film Star Kid. Nope. <laughs> I like Star Kid. Hell yeah. <laughs> I also, saw that at the Arcada, which is a very regional uh, regional specific thing. So for yep. those who are listening from out of state, that is a very old-timey theater. Also, Aiden Gillen here, uh, he is also in Game of Thrones. And, and The Wire. And The Wire. And The Wire. Fuck and yeah. also um, is in the really bizarre opening scene of The Dark Knight Rises, where he is believes he really? he's captured Bane. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. That yes. was so cool. He's also great in Calvary, by the way. Yes, he, he plays is. the uh, asshole surgeon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway. And also to uh, Mike Myers <laughs> here in a bizarre role with a beard, uh, which also kind of makes sense for the story content, yeah. especially because of Wayne's World. Yeah. And also Tom Hollander, who is Tom. a fabulous actress, I've... actress, actor, actress. and a fabulous he can do actress. <laughs> Uh, Tom Hollander, though, I'm a fucking fanboy ever mm-hmm. since he was in uh, In the Loop, mm-hmm. uh, the Armando Iannucci political satire. So. Mm-hmm. so, why don't we have our guests go first, as they both wanted to be on this episode, and that's what brought us into having so five fight it out. people on uh, a four-person podcast, which is awesome, because this is a first, and we are excited to have both of you here. So, why don't you two go first? Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you again for including us on this podcast. I know it's a first to have two guests. So. I know, and especially two ladies. Yes, two, two, two ladies, ladies in a film about a gay guy. Yeah, <laughs> He's bi. Sure. You bet. Okay, um, so I was really excited 
for this movie. Oh, um, boy, this sounds like it's going to be a negative review. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> um, oh, boy. So I actually, I feel like maybe to some degree you guys can relate to this. I grew up listening to Queen. My parents grew up listening to Queen. I'm pretty sure we have some Queen on vinyl still. Mm. Very much like the soundtrack to, like, pretty much growing up and being around my family and stuff. So, like... I'm definitely not in the minority. Queen has been iconic. That pretty much goes without saying. I loved this movie. I thought it was really good. Um, There were so many things that, like, annoyed me a little bit. It was mostly about the directing style. Things that I knew Brian Singer would do. Things that I knew that Dexter Fletcher, Fletcher, who thankfully replaced him, made up for that. Um, and didn't get credited, which is really bizarre. Yeah, because of the DGA rules. How disappointing is yeah, that? Yeah, but even so... I know, I Joss agree. Joss Whedon got a credit on uh, Justice League. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just saying. Weird. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying... Alex Gar- Garland didn't get credit for basically directing Dread, so... Womp, womp. Yeah. Anyways, no, it, it felt weird here because of the whole thing surrounding Brian Singer. Yes. And the fact that he's the he only person mentioned. And he doesn't exactly. deserve it. Exactly. He does not deserve it. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely something that made me go, uh. And we all know the history with Brian Singer, Singer which is unfortunate. Um, but regardless, I thought everything about this movie was good. Um, I loved that... The casting, I thought, was pretty much spot on. I liked how there was so much work that was put into specifically Rami Malek acting like Freddie Mercury, and I thought he was amazing. I thought part of the writing was pretty clunky and awkward, but overall, I feel like it captured pretty much everything aside from blatant non-truths that were added for drama. No. <laughs> like... <laughs> Never. <laughs> Straight out of Compton. <laughs> and um, I he, do. I, I like how he also acquired AIDS uh, for like four years earlier. <laughs> yeah. Just to make the story better. I know. Ugh, yeah. What that was At least he really awkward. It, which is a weird thing to say. No, because there was concerns that it wouldn't even be communicated at all because in the pre-release of this, I remember like reading some actual pre-release press yeah. that they were going to try to downplay his yeah. sexuality. And I think mm-hmm. that there was even a interview with Rami Malek that sort of spoke to the point. I didn't read this. I have a feeling – this is just a feeling – that the scene when they're practicing in the concert hall was added after the original screening. I can see that. Yeah. Because that would because even the doctor scene is no audio. No. Yeah. So even though he's getting a diagnosis, you don't actually get quote unquote confirmation. Which, like tabloid sensationalist wise, like we don't need confirmation. We know. And right. Again, also, like, why can't we hear? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Also, kind of speaking to the really quick. Yes. Since you're mentioning yes. Rami Malik, mm-hmm. Malik, whatever his name is, um, Mr. So, Robot. Mr. Either, Robot. Either way is fine. Hello, friend. Uh, so this film had a very interesting storyline as it went from the beginning parts of casting till the final product as Sasha Baron Cohen was originally supposed to be Freddie Mercury. And although he very much looks like him and definitely could hit some of the mannerisms, uh, I think they went the right direction. But Anna, since you love the casting so much, do you feel like... 
this film could have happened with Borat as the main character. I feel like this movie could have happened with Borat, but we would not have gotten the same end results, of course. And I think the reasoning is... And it would have been not as good? That's kind of hard to say. Yeah, I mean, my because biggest... I just, I don't know. I really like the idea of Sasha Baron Cohen being Freddie Mercury. I think he could pull it off really, really good. But mm-hmm. I don't know if he would be able to pull it off the same way as Rami Malek could. And I just, I generally did like the direction that this film took. I know Sasha Baron Cohen really, really wanted to focus much more on... Um, the personal life mm-hmm. of Freddie Mercury and Which like I think actually a lot of people who saw the film probably felt the same way. Right, yeah. yeah. And also also something to keep in mind, this movie was PG thirteen. If this movie Correct. was rated R, we would have gotten way more of that, especially if Sasha Baron Cohen was Freddie Mercury. I so did, yeah, I, I would have liked to see this movie, but I'm glad I got this one. Okay. So that's how I feel. But in general, I loved this movie. Um, as soon as I left the mo- the theater, I was like, I want to buy this on DVD and watch it all the time, which I never, ever think about anything ever. Not even like any superhero movie I've ever seen. Like I, I just really liked it. I like this movie a lot. You just wanted to cry about Infinity War. Exactly. I just wanted, so I didn't really want to like. Also, it. just <laughs> read that the initial cut of the second Infinity War film is over three hours. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pack some snacks. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a good that's a good plan. Yes. Hopefully there's an intermission. Can't wait. Um but yes, I really liked this movie. I thought the casting was on point. I like when you look at comparison pictures of original Queen and this cast, they did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I just I really liked it. There's only technical things I can really complain about. Um but I really liked this movie overall. I was so happy. Awesome. Good stuff. Sam? Um I have to echo quite a few of the things that you've mentioned as well, Anna. Um, One in particular is the casting. Um, I think something that definitely stood out to me was how the cast just looked so much like the people themselves. Um, And that was really nice to see because I was a little bit nervous. Um, And and to kind of speak to that too of like the – the costuming in the era and and things like that without it being outrageous because oftentimes when people think 80s or they think of like that particular genre it always goes to like super crazy eyeshadows and and outrageous things and yet the people who actually lived during the 80s not myself um <laughs> but, <laughs> um but like my parents like have talked about it and they're like it's not nearly like that disturbing of of a scene to see it's it's a lot more like this. Um, and so to see that kind of echoed in the costuming and even in the decor um, definitely brought more of a realistic feel. Um, and it felt a little bit more like a docu-series or like part of like a um, like a biopic or something like that versus um, some sort of like grandiose um, like feature um, on some random like offbeat path. Um, I think one of the things that bothered me, um, was just storyline progress, I guess. Um, and something that I kept thinking about after watching it too was, 
Um, at many points, it felt like it was just like a live concert that I was watching. Mm. Um, yeah, I got that vibe too. It, it gave me echoes of Purple Rain almost a little bit in that mm-hmm. like it's it's supposed to be the kid who's performing, but we know it's Prince. That's Prince performing right. songs for the album Purple Rain. So I'm just, yeah. you know. Like, and it, uh, not that I don't mind concerts. I absolutely love concerts. I go to them frequently. Um, not in the theater when you're watching a film. Correct. Have you ever seen um, Stop Making Sense? I have not. It's a good... You would love it. It's okay. a great movie. It's great. Okay. That's the Talking Heads concert. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw it at uh, the music box. It was a transcendent experience. Ooh. Whoa. I mean that. Like, I, it was one of the best theater experiences I would have disagreed with you. No, I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, so, um, and, and not that I don't mind like live productions or things like that. I absolutely love live theater. I was part of it for a while. Um, but that sort of, I felt like at a couple of times I was only just like watching a, a concert, um, which I love Queens music. So, I mean, I had no issues with it. Um, but I was just more curious to whether or not there was a true thread that we were supposed to be following or if it was meant to be sort of a kind of like a collection of of moments and things like that in which Queen grew or they sort of like fell apart or Freddie himself. There was something just and I I know we had talked about this a little bit earlier as like a little group as well. Um but that sort of blend between is this a Freddie Mercury kind of bio- biography ish documentary I thing? I felt that. Or too. is this more about Queen themselves? And um, at a lot of moments, it felt like uh, they really desperately tried to bring it back to the band. But you could definitely tell that there was so much more emphasis on Freddie Mercury himself. That's so reflected in the actual substance of the story itself when yes. it just like like it, it it's trying so hard to just get away from the band that it's just like, no, we, it has to be about the band. And it's literally written into the actual story. Yeah. And and I I don't know how much is real and and not real is about the storyline. <laughs> that it was is, beautiful. Is this? <laughs> it's also very interesting to me that every single one of the other band members comes up with one of the major songs at some point. Yes. throughout the film. Yeah, that seems very. Which but, is um, that's, desi- that's done, designed by committee. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that's actually probably not how it went at all. But, <laughs> but I do think Roger Taylor really did write the hit "I'm in Love with My Car." <laughs> That's probably true. I'm not surprised. But at the same time, when uh, and Nick brought this up when we were discussing it after the film, when we were both drinking two beverages because you know that's what we like doing. Um, Yes, Uh, that the fact that there are multiple times when all the band members are fighting, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh!" and then doom, 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 doom. Oh, cool. What's that? What? Yeah, no. The music brings us back together. Oh my God! Is that a hit? Yeah, it was a little, a little, Felt a little very mythic, silly. It's very yeah. mythic. Yes, yeah. it that that component of the story is what I think bothered me. It should like that sort of choppiness mm-hmm. of you know, like, hey, look, we're doing your typical storylines. How about even um, when Freddie meets them initially by the back of the van, yeah. and he's like telling them, "Oh, I'm sorry, your scene has just left." I'm the best singer you've ever met in your entire lives. Ah, I don't believe you. Not with those teeth. Do, do, you, do, oh, do, do you know why I'm so good? Because I have two teeth and so I have more octaves. 
Really, it's like, wait a minute. Really what? quickly, <laughs> if you compare this to another movie in its genre from, I would say, this comparable era, like Walk the Line, which is the biopic about Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. even that movie has the, I would I think, monumental scene that's actually good, where um, Johnny Cash sings uh, uh, Folsom Prison or Walk the Line. I can't remember which one because it's been like a decade. But but he sings another song before that song uh, for the record executive because he thinks that's what would sell more. Mm-hmm. So there's even those kind of, like in, uh, I would say, valuable mistakes that an artist can make on the right. road to success instead of this... I just thought of this bass riff, you know, and, and anyway. Yeah. That, um, I think that's the the major component that bothered me the most about it, um, as I just have random Yeah, no, there, there, there's, um, she, she's, she. <laughs> our house. That was an octagon, damn. It definitely was, yeah. In Come the on. middle of our there street. There was an house. octagon and a butt at the same time. Well done, Nick. Yes. Um, so other than that, um, I thought that there was some very interesting um, touches director-wise to it, um, and even some of the the choices for um, like ways to tell a story and things like that. Um, so, I mean, I, I absolutely adored this film. Um, Unlike one of my uh, co-workers who cried for, you know, multiple different points within the film, I did not do any of that. Um, and I asked her how into Queen she is, and she goes, I love them. I'm a huge fan. And I was like, oh, so how much do you know about them? And she's like, just their greatest hits. Mm. Um, so, That's kind of the power of Queen in that way. Well, that you don't need to know a lot about them. It's just like yeah. their their song has really their, – their, their music has really just seeped into – the cultural consciousness, like I was not born or raised anywhere within the proximity of like any queen fandom, but fuck yeah, I can turn up for Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. All all of their hits happened before anybody at this table was alive. Right, exactly, but still... Speak for yourself. We're... Thank you, Nick. Okay, I wasn't alive, but... (laughs) (laughs) But Like I said, anyone at this table. Oh, that's what you said. I think that's a very good point, though, Tucson, is that there's something... And and I think that's why, like, speaking with the one coworker about that, um, I think there's something to be said, even in general, of why this film even came into creation. Um, and something about, I think there's a power in it, even if it's not entirely truthful in any sort of way, or if there's some things that maybe are, you know, difficult for someone to swallow about the storylines and things like that, no matter what. At the end of the day, you could tell that everyone, even in the theater and even afterward, was still vibing to the music. Um, and that there's something about that ability um, to, to do that. And I think that is what I enjoyed about the film the most, is that ability to capture how much of an impact um, they have had, um, just in the music world in general. Yeah, Absolutely. I are, I'm sorry. Are you? I'm good. So you're good. Floor is open for one of the gentlemen. If do you want yeah, to? Please go, and then I, yeah. I'll go first, just because it'll be quick. Yeah. <laughs> Two um, hours later. <laughs> Two hours later. 
Nick loved the film. Oh my That's god! Okay, say. I need to share like a really quick story about Please that. Please do. My former coworker has yes. a young toddler, and she's you know always sharing pictures on Instagram. Mm-hmm. She shared that still of two hours later, and then it was like her like son just bundled up in layers and layers of winter clothes, and I was like, yeah. oh my god, me yeah. when I'm a mom. <laughs> I um I gotta say You hated this movie that this movie did not do a lot for me. (laughs) That's fair. I'm glad no That was a very slow build up to that. Thank you. I'm genuinely glad both of you are here today, Anna and Sam, not you, uh Alex and Tucson. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. Because you guys are out, we're in. Yes, right. That's fine. Welcome to Film Tank, baby. <laughs> That's fine. I'll get out of my house. We just got 33% more white, but 66% more female. Okay. That's the math, Wait, because there's you, three. That's fine. Do you think I'm not white? Oh, wow. No, I think... I'm kidding. No, 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 because I'm white, so yeah, that's fine. I'm half white. I, I mostly make those jokes. To no make one fun thinks of you're half white. Oh, thank you, friend. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Tucson is all black. That's completely no matter what understandable. You want to keep I should yourself. be called out on my shit. You Wait, should be. What are you saying? Continue, Nick. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Are we done with this though? Tucson yeah. wants to get to his point, so he wants uh, you to. No. Speed well, I want to hear. I want to hear what you're. Yeah, so here, your here's the thing. I, oh. I want to say this really quickly. Yes. Tucson has allowed his cap that he's wearing to slowly work its way up his head, which is great because he's giving off a Joe Pesci from Home Alone vibe right now. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Actually true. I wasn't even aware of that. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, I saw this movie with Alex. Yes. My trusty comrade. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have a lot to say. I thought this was <laughs> shit. I was there too. <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, it's fine. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely okay. Oh, he yeah, wow, he forgot just, about that. He just cursed it's you. Fine. I, I didn't get forget it. about it. I forgot. It's fine. No, it's not fine. I just eternally you sunshined you out of my memory. Your she, significant that, other was there, and so now that I was feel, the angriest. It's fine. People. I've heard in a long time. It seriously sounded like Lucy in an episode. Hold it's on. fine, Ricky. <laughs> Hold on. Here's the thing. I have flashbacks of seeing this movie, not to the movie, but to the after-dinner drinks that oh, me and yeah. Alex oh, got okay. by ourselves. I know. Where I shit you on know. the show. <laughs> you know. No, so, I know what that at, I know means. So <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, less, it's, it's less you, and it's, it's more me. And mm-hmm. Anyway. Me too. Um, yes, you too. Um, I, uh, I got to admit, I, I like Queen. Yeah, I, I I love their music. Yeah. Um, a Night at the Opera is one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, Lays it on a Sunday, by the way, is one of the most underrated songs ever. I'll look. I'll listen to that later tonight. Yeah, you should. Yeah. And uh, and so is I forget the name of it, but I think it's thirty one or fifty. I forget. It's the number song. Yeah, the number song. <laughs> Whatever has a number in the title, yeah. that's a good song too. Right. Anyway, um, but no, I love their music. I absolutely think that a story of Freddie Mercury on screen, whether embellished or not, would be 
uh, riveting and extremely essential to uh, today's times uh, or even in future or past, whatever. But I don't think this was the film that did it for me. I... I'm with Anna in the sense that I like every time they were performing music, I was digging it. Like I liked. Um, oh no, I know for a well, fact. Well, there was one time. There was one time there when was. you were not digging it. That and, is true. You and me were on the same page. For that it is true because we giggled to each other. In the we theater. did, and it had nothing to do with the music. It had everything to do with what was happening on screen. The I, I can't remember what song it was though. I don't know. It was when they were performing early on when they had just reached fame. Yeah, for I mean, the most they were part. they were doing their mm-hmm. tour. and they were going the tour and all the cities that they played were flashing. Oh yeah, yes, that was that's corny. Super that's 80s. corny as fuck. Like, no, no, oh, that yeah. was that was one of the stupidest things I've seen. That, that wasn't was, even eighties. Like was that was like somebody who seventies. No, I mean like it, it was even, somebody it, who like it's it, it's not even time determinant. It's just right. dumb. Like yeah, that, that and was, just, yeah. and that just was heard something... that the 80s had garish colors and yeah. therefore this is what they must have done. But... That was something that I feel like the band had to say, we need to put in every single place we played on the tour yeah. on screen. So hey, we're gonna have thirty-two graphics flying towards the screen. It was so Not stupid. Not gonna lie, if Rami Malik didn't say Chicago or if it didn't appear on the screen, I would have been pissed. So it worked. <laughs> That's fine. They also had some Zion places like San Antonio and well, Detroit. Before I mean, this <laughs> before before this entire montage, we are also treated to one of the greatest intertitles that I've ever seen in, in any blockbuster or any movie to begin with, which is Midwest USA. Yes. <laughs> we don't need to know where they are. They're in the fucking Midwest. You see the corn? They're in the Midwest. Yeah. This is the water. This is the well. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also, here, here's, here's the problem I will say about an early part of this film. And that is the record executive and the band arguing over two singles that ended up being popular songs. Yeah. Being like, no, I want this to be the single. No, this is the single. It's going to be the single. Whoa. <laughs> and you know what? The reality is is that is just a band patting themselves on the back, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. here's the thing. And I'm with you, but those scenes didn't bother me as much as other scenes of like, like. well, I'll get into that a little bit later. That's fine. That that particular scene I agree scene that that problem is extraordinarily present. gratuitous. I can see that. Yeah. I guess I didn't mind it because it was Mike Myers, which I never thought I would say, but because that was a kind of actually... Mike Myers... Who is actually doing a Joel Edgerton impression? Because there was, I was thinking, I was like, is that Joel Edgerton with mutton chops? I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm not saying it's not, but I actually thought that that stupid bit of inside casting was actually kind of funny. Like the fact, uh, you know, Mike Myers just talked about this on the Late Show with um, Colbert, where he got the offer to be the record executive that got to say no to Bohemian Rhapsody and. Just hearing that alone, he agreed to it. He didn't need to read a script. Which but that's because the filmmakers from Wayne's World did not want Bohemian Rhapsody to be the song yes, they were listening he to. He very famously argued with um, Lord Michaels uh, that Wayne's World in that car scene had to have Bohemian Rhapsody. And they kept saying, apparently, that they wanted uh, Guns N' Roses' Welcome to the Jungle. And um, he was like, that's a great song. I like that song, too. But he goes... In my own upbringing, when I was in like high school and whatnot, and I used to drive around, he goes, I drove around, and we did that to Bohemian Rhapsody. And literally, he, he has the anecdote, 
it's a kind of a stupid clip, but I actually recommend people watch it. But he tells the anecdote about how like everybody in the car had their own Galileo, and if you stepped on somebody else's Galileo, that was fucking turf war. Um, and it, it was also a, too that uh, of a silly SNL film. Yeah, that is a iconic scene in Absolutely. the original Wayne's World. Like, I don't know that I could ever sit through the entire movie again, because <laughs> I don't really love Wayne's World, but I absolutely love that scene, mm-hmm. and, and you know, have memories of Especially watching Especially driving it. through Aurora, Illinois? Yeah. I mean, that's me. kind of, you know, yeah. I go to the Aurora Casino on a... Uh, <laughs> not... <laughs> I should clarify. <laughs> I go to the Aurora Casino because I have Broadway tickets to the Aurora Paramount Theater, okay, which is across the street, and I do free valet parking at the casino anyway. When I inter- when I interned for the Aurora Public Television Network, you yeah. can imagine how many times I heard about oh, Wayne's yeah. World. Absolutely. And that casino, though, has their car and everything, and, and it's, 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 it's adorable. But... Um, so I was totally on board with that scene just because of that stupid superficial reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to say before I pass it off that I think this movie mostly fails because it, what Sam pretty much alluded to is that it is caught between clearly this is written by people who survived Freddie Mercury who are contractually obligated to make a Freddie Mercury movie, but without titling it solely about him. Yes. And having to try to quote unquote fight for their own uh place in history. And I'm not saying that uh you know whatever their fucking names are which I mean that says it all, right? I'm sorry, right? but no, it's true, I'm it's genuinely true. saying that they did contribute, but I'm not going to pretend that they had the same stature as Freddie Mercury because that's fucking ludicrous. I will say here's the fucked up thing about Queen. Yes. They perform currently, and obviously because of contractual reasons, they have to bring the singer's name into it. Yeah. But I'm saying when Queen with Adam Levine performs, there are people who are you talking to Adam Lambert? Adam Lambert. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yes. You said that the like... other day, and I was genuinely curious if Adam Levine was like no. performing so, with them. We're... Yeah, I'm out of <laughs> That's fine. At it, 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 any... It, at, at any rate, I could totally see it, by the way. At, at, at any shit. rate, Queen with Adam Lambert, people are going to see that because of Adam Lambert, I think. Which I think is actually understandable. Yes. Because he does a good Freddie Mercury impression. Sure. But... <laughs> like, no one's going to see that because they're like, oh, at least they have the original basis. Yes. And that's, I guess that's what I'm getting at, yeah. is that no yeah. one gives a fuck that they're Absolutely. still in the band. They want to see them with Adam Lambert. Yeah. And I would have totally been. I am. I am. I feel like a a a penis. So I would have been on board with a movie that tried to, shall we say, shade in those characters of of the band members on the fringe. But this is a movie in which we are treated to multiple scenes of the other band members knowing better than Freddie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By the end of the movie, the emotional climax comes when Freddie has to grovel to them, and and. Putting aside whether I personally agree with Freddie's, let's just say in the movie, decision, uh, you know, his lifestyle. There's no way that scene ever took place. There's no way that that scene took place in that context, in that way or whatever. And even if it did, I don't see why it should have had to because no offense, but they didn't become queen because of the three of them. In in real life, though, there was no... 
like there was no practicing to get back. They were on tour before yeah. Live I mean, Aid yeah. happened. I mean, there's a lot of that here. I mean, oh. the, the the band getting mad at him because he's going to go solo makes no sense because in real life, uh, at least a couple of them had already gone solo before Freddie went solo. So it, it makes no sense as this to why they would true. frame it that way. Please bring up your best thought about this, which is Freddie Mercury's yeah. In the Rain... Uh, conversation oh, yeah. where that... he is oh. feeling like a sore puppy dog yes. because nobody told him about Live So, Aid. yeah, that conversation <laughs> makes no sense to me because he talks about Live Aid like he's already watched the <laughs> televisual uh, performance of Live Aid. He literally says, why didn't you tell me about Live Aid? <laughs> Which is something that somebody only says if they fucking are in Back to the Future and they already know what Live Aid is going to be in Marty, their legacy. why didn't you tell me about, about Live yeah. Aid, Marty? Yeah. It, he, it, he, he literally heard the name Live Aid for the first time yeah. four minutes earlier. Yes. And it's yeah. like, oh, man. It, yeah, that was fucking <laughs> stupid. And one other thing I'll say, and then I'll pass it off, is that Honestly, the Bohemian Rhapsody as a title is very misleading because, A, it has really nothing to do with the song. I mean, I know it's Queen's song, but whatever. Uh, and, B, it, it's indicative of two things. It's, one, indicative of the fact that they couldn't decide whether they wanted to call it a Freddie Mercury movie or a Queen movie. And, uh, two, um, I think it sidesteps the fact that they weren't going to call it what I'm sure the original title, which is Queen, the Freddie Mercury story, how I learned to get AIDS and stop being an asshole. <laughs> because that's kind of what that's his three... That's the title I was rooting for. Yeah, but that's what the three band members clearly think about <laughs> Freddie if we are to take this movie on its face value, which is that thank God he got AIDS because otherwise... <laughs> He would not have been a good person in the end. Here's that's the other, a take. Here's the other that's a, thing. That's a take. I'm reading the movie. I'm not Warm even bringing. Here, so. here, here's the other thing about that. Okay, we yeah, you've been rambling for 15 minutes now. But that's okay. Here's the other thing. This film acts about Freddie Mercury having AIDS, like they were all aware about what the AIDS epidemic was at the time. Yeah, yeah. Which is a little weird because. They're acting as if they have 20 years of knowledge True. at the time, yeah. which did not happen at that time in the 80s. Like It was like an explosion of having no idea what's going on, where yeah. they're acting like they know exactly what's happening Ex- and why it's happening. And The White it, House it, press secretary treated it like a joke until, like, you know... It must fucking suck that Freddie Mercury had to watch a news report on AIDS the day before he was diagnosed. <laughs> I the the moment he tells his uh, his bandmates that he has it though, and then the movie has to dial back what it already did. And how'd you feel it, about the scene where he was walking back from the doctor's office, and there was the guy who was obviously had AIDS, and he was like, "Hey, yeah, why are they doing the banana song?" That was weird to me. Well, I mean, I know yeah. it was, but still. A, but still. But at the same time, the, no, because he did that at the opening oh, of I the know. of the Alive Eight yeah. thing. It was like, "Hey, oh, hey, yeah." But but at the same that's time that's where he got the idea. Uh, mm. It it felt oh. it felt so self-serving to okay. me like it re- a little bit ridiculous. Can I also bop yeah. in here for a moment? Bop that, away. Uh, <laughs> bop it. Pull it. Twist to kind it. Of go off of Don't that. Um one of the where he brings Jim to his parents' house? Yeah. Oh, that didn't happen. That, that, no he way. he gets together no. with his partner on the morning of Live Aid. Well, and that all of a sudden, boom, they're partners. That's like, fucking even creepy. after all this time, like, yeah. that, 
I. That's, I mean, that's movie and, logic. And the parents are cool with it. Yeah, I leave sight unseen. I so when that scene occurred, because all of a sudden there he's visiting Jim at his place, and then all of a sudden it suddenly you're you're cutting to him sitting with Jim, and they're holding hands like hey, in, in the. I just met you, the, and this is crazy. Um, but meet my parents and fucking have my baby. <laughs> Jesus That's Christ. one version. Um, that was uh, morbid. I didn't. I will. I really didn't see that coming. Um, me me okay. either. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. Nightmares. Um, there, there need to be more scenes with Jim to make that final scene pay off. I agree because to be a movie with be. Jim. I I agree because as soon the first time we meet Jim. Freddie's like, what's your name? And he goes, Jim Hunton. First of all, he could have just said Jim, but no. <laughs> Correct. It I'm, was Jim Hunton. And then as soon as Jim he Hunton, said. I just read the Wikipedia as, page. I'm your future spouse. Unfortunately. Damn it. I feel like Nick. a little bit. Yeah. I'm uh, no, I, I, I think Nick's actually Actually, right that here. was a couple months ago where I read the entire Wikipedia page about <laughs> Freddie Mercury. But anyway, so <laughs> basically, as soon as he said Jim Hunton, I turned to my boyfriend and I was like, I think that's the guy he ends up with at the end of his life. That's that guy. So I was like, I knew they were going to loop back. Right. So when I watched that and then, like you're describing, it happens very fast, the day of Live Aid, etc. And I'm just like... I'm being a not li- great. I'm, I'm, not a great setup. See, here's how the did thing. you know that? Did you read the script? God damn it! Sorry, you were how, you weren't even participating in this conversation. No, I know. I was just making a joke. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> here's the problem. Um, I'm I'm being a little bit of an asshole here because I earlier in our podcast this year took a hard stance on Boots Riley's feelings on uh, Black Klansman, so. I need to like back off a little bit because films need to have a little bit of leniency about taking stories and combining them together because that's just how a different medium other other than real life or text works. The the reality is is that it needs to be a little bit more condensed. At the same time, there are way too many things in this film that just land too perfectly yeah. right in this film's runtime. What makes them, I would say, not work is that if you don't know the history of Queen, you could still be clued in on to what seems fabricated. And if that's the case, then I think you've ultimately not done a good thing. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm coughing like a mad person because I have a little bit of cold. You are but mad. Mad. I'm going to steal the baton from Dusan because... I'm going to go next and give my opening remarks, even though we're probably not going to get into much discussion here because we've already been talking about it for the last 45 minutes. But at the same time, uh, I thought this film was actually pretty mediocre. And I say that as someone who thought a lot of the parts from the very beginning until about an hour and 40 minutes into this film um, felt very fabricated. And at the same time, uh, felt replaceable. That being said, this film has the second best scene I've seen in any film this year, other than the Al Pacino Paterno film. <clears throat> but that being said, I'm sorry. Really quickly, mm-hmm. what scene is that in this film or no, in Paterno? In, in Paterno, the opening scene in Paterno is okay. fabulous. Just curious, fantastic. You watched it with me, and I think you liked it. Oh, I've seen it twice now. You have? I rewatched it. You did? And, and I enjoy it. So I just wanted to know which scene. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you like that at first scene or not? 
Uh, are you just talking about the overall, like, kind of, not montage, but the prologue of the game? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. It's per- perfect in the story. I would say so. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, I will say the finale of this film fits in perfectly for what this film is trying to do and also lands perfectly uh, as a Gus Van Zant type of storytelling, which is completely just recreating what their Live Aid performance was. Um, which this film was over the top on details of their Live Aid performance, which I have watched now in the days since. Um, and unbelievably, down to the placement of the Pepsi cups and beer on the piano that yeah. Freddie Mercury is playing at the beginning of the Live Aid performance they hit the details of their performance to a T and showed actually almost all of their live aid performance uh, for the last 22 minutes or so of this film. I will say that scene was fucking awesome because it is just taking something that people loved and is honestly one of the more iconic rock performances in the last 40 years and it is showing it to the audience with a different take and with the characters who you've seen previously in the film, and it just works perfectly to me. That being said, the rest of the film is very underwhelming because it's just like the greatest hits of a band who you kind of know. And also, uh, I feel like this film takes a very... I don't want to say like rudimentary look at Freddie Mercury, but this film <coughs> uh, looks at Freddie Mercury from they just read the highlights of his life and then just put it into a film. They just took the Wikipedia page and then like and then put and then and then and then between it. That's and a, we that's only... a nice doer's my car take on it, but you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> and we only I would say scrutinized the more public perception of Freddie Mercury instead of even like I'm sorry, but I would rather a script try to even if it has to guess, uh, but guess more about his private life. We're, there are more scenes the, the, devoted the... to his heterosexual closet nature than his actual homosexuality. Well, the other thing is that. His scenes with his family seem so just boilerplate to me. Which is too bad because that's one of the more interesting things about Freddie Mercury, mm-hmm. which is not to try to indulge in like otherism or like xenophobia. I don't know. But the fact that he was he, like he became a rock god despite the fact that he came from a cultural background that he clearly didn't try to I wouldn't say ran away from, but uh, did not uh, embrace. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about like, that. That's fascinating, my, but that's barely my thing. Yeah. Well, and and the other thing that I'll end my opening remarks, and again, we're probably not going to talk much more about this film other yeah. than opening remarks and our closing remarks. Yeah. But Romy Malik gives a fucking awesome performance in this as Freddie Mercury, and it's too bad because I wish we had a better film with his performance because I think that could have been. So much better, and um, I, I I don't have much more to say about this film other than that because I think that, that there were so many wasted parts of this film, um, but the final performance was phenomenal in this movie, and I I can't take anything away from it because it was awesome to see that recreated 
Um, and even though the CGI of the Wembley Stadium crowd was a little eh, um, everything about it just was magical in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So highs and lows here for me on a very meh film. Okay. So I um, I wasn't necessarily excited to go see this film. I would, probably wouldn't have gone to see it had we not been organizing an episode around it. Got a lot of other shit to do. But I carved out time to be able to go see this film because I had read enough about it and, you know, I was curious to see what it would be. So I was kind of like already very lukewarm just from the jump, just seeing like what this was going to be. It's like, oh, it's going to be another perfunctory sort of um, greatest hits film, like what Alex was saying, right? Mm -hmm. And I felt that way from the beginning all the way into the middle. And then somewhere with it, it was just like, I don't know. I just was a little bit won over by it. Um, and I don't know. I, like, I, I'm, I'm still of two minds about this film. I did enjoy it. I can't, I can't say that I did not enjoy this film. Um, but what I want to, um, some of the things that I want to address is like, Nick, your point about how, Freddie Mercury's uh, past and how it seems like he was trying to like run away from it. Yeah. I didn't know a lot about Queen before going this. I knew about their music. I did not know that his original name was Farouk. I did not know that he was yeah. Parsi. I did not know that he was born in Tan- Tan- Tanzania. And what was, what was, there were a couple of moments where like there was a knot in my throat that I felt like something really actually like emotionally hit home for me. And one of them was when, um, Freddie was debating with the EMA, EMI guy about having Bohemian Rhapsody as the actual like thing, and he was just like spouting off some like casually racist shit about it, and he was just like, "What the fuck is this?" Like Bismillah, and he's like Bismillah, and that kind of like really that that feels like a significant moment because it's this guy who changed his name legally, went to no end to just like walk away from his past, and he manages to have something that is like. Bismillah means like all praise due to like God, the highest and holy. And it's just like that's something that's deeply from his own culture where he came from that you would run away from. And that would be the thing that you that you would sort of like put into what is one of at that point, your one of your biggest songs, one of your greatest creative efforts. Yeah. And it somehow comes home into like sayings like, you know, I still love my mom and I still love my dad, no matter how much I try to run away from it. And another point that kind of like put a knot in my throat is when. Um, he's having his conversation with his wife, like across through the uh, for the windows and stuff. And he says, "Like, get a drink," and she doesn't get a drink. And it just kind of like it really hurt my heart to like see that girl, that that woman, that was who, a great scene. Who, I who, who does who who does love this man, but knows that she cannot be, and and he was, can, he cannot be what she needs. It was extremely performative. Yeah, but, because he doesn't know inherently mm-hmm. that she didn't grab a drink. Yeah, exactly. So for them to literally connect about and agree to upon lie You're right yeah is uh just fucking fantastic and yeah it's 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 like those moments for me were were powerful and i thought that was really interesting other than that it does feel like kind of circling back to something that i mentioned before it feels like a myth this film is a myth in that it's trying to abbreviate and like truncate like some of the more complicated and unwieldy ends of this story and basically weave it into like this this both creation death and transcendent myth about Freddie Mercury and Queen at large. And I don't know, that's not the film 
I, I'm, I'm not going to be the kind of critic who I'm going to say is like, I wanted this film to be something else and therefore I hate it. I think that for what this film is, I just think that it, it is not what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it focuses way too much on Mercury. And I understand that he's like the, the, the bright star, which queen sort of orbits in a lot of ways, especially in, in the, the, the public perception of them. We've already made jokes that we don't remember the names of any of the other members of queen. And I feel like, this could have been a chance to sort of rectify that. But even then, this is I, – I feel like I wanted to see – Which is interesting because I actually have the opposite reaction where I wanted this to be more about. Yeah. I mean either make a either make a Freddie Mercury film or make a Queen movie and just like just – It focuses on Freddie Mercury, uh, Freddie Mercury mm-hmm. only to short change him. I mean yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like a trap door type thing. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this is our – "Quote unquote protagonist. This is the legend you went and saw, but by the end of it, it's like, oh, do you still idolize him? There is there there is one moment where um, there's there's something else that I really liked, like his um, the guy who was trying to make him break up with the band and basically strike out on his own and basically like cultivate him and like separate Paul. Paul, yeah, Paul, fucking Paul. So the the thing when fucker. when they have their their standoff with one another in the rain, who just invites like, leather daddies over for no real reason? Yeah, that, I mean, that moment I was like, he seems um, he seems like the, I have nothing against this. He seems like look, he seems happened? like the kind of guy who's like that's just sort of the culture that they they orbit around. And oh, it's absolutely, just like, it's, a, it's a revolving but door. But that seemed like that's facilitated Freddy, by him. I need to interrupt your personal growth with a bunch of leather daddies. Yeah, but but. What really cemented it for me, like I already did not like this guy, but what I knew that I was like, okay, this next scene has to have him leaving this guy or else I might just walk out of this film because I just – I cannot handle that. Is when he asked like, you know, the 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 20-year the, the 20 uh, prescient question, why didn't you tell me about Live Aid? And he's like oh. – I did tell you. You know how you're always forgetting things. Like you are gaslighting this dude. You are gaslighting him, and, and he needs to recognize that and walk out. Because if he doesn't, like I just can't watch the rest of this fucking film. See also, that, he fucked over the manager, which was really bizarre. Yeah. See that Paul thing makes me very uncomfortable because of the fact that if there is a Paul, and I genuinely don't know if there is a Paul, I think there is. Mm-hmm. Just as far as like in real life, there, mm-hmm. there was a Paul. Um, if he existed in any way in the same capacity in this movie as far as being somewhat more friendly to Freddy than just being a business partner, it is extremely gross that this movie is written by people who are not Freddy, who, in my opinion, are emphasizing certain characteristics in private conversation they would not have been privy to. In order to paint him or or to render him as the antagonist. And I'm not saying that Paul didn't have ulterior motives in real life. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But man, does this movie, as written by the surviving members of Queen, make it kind of seem like they have a fucking bone to pick, whether it's realistic or not. If it is any reconciliation... Something that definitely did not happen okay. in real life is that television interview that the Paul character mm. gave. Yeah, that was one of the yeah. worst. Things. Yes, that never that happened. Like, so yeah, who's Paul's that sucks. big of a dick to go on television and be like, you know what? This one guy that I was sort of seeing, who by the way is a homosexual and has AIDS, um, 
is so fucked up as a person that he has these mental health problems that I really want to. That's like that's that was fucking that was a like, time. Well, I would I would like to say that was a time where people could get away with flogging or I feel like even flag, flagating, been like, flagating somebody for that here. and 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 harming them in public. But we also know that that same stigma and that same sort of exhibitionism has not left us. No. I just meant that weird uh, one-to-one ratio of yeah. like I'm gonna go on television. Just not, yeah, like yeah, that whole. Whatever. I th- I thought that the okay. I'm gonna try to end off my my comments with one last with one last. And and when you do, mm. why don't you go into your final rating? Okay, my final <laughs> rating. Okay, here it is. <laughs> We've talked a lot about this. I know. Already, yeah, so it's fine. Um, so here's something that happened. I. When when the credits were rolling on this film, I usually just get up and I leave because I don't stay for the credits. I know I'm an awful cinephile. I have respect for the people who make films. I really care. D- By the way, did you get the 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 teaser in the beginning where Remy Malik is like a lot of people get yeah. together and make films? Okay, that was great. Yeah, I'm just like, is that contractually obligated? <laughs> oh yes. If anybody saw The Greatest Showman, I heard that they did something yeah, they similar. Did yeah, Hugh so... Jackman did it, but the yeah, but the difference is Hugh Jackman is charming. Yeah. Like I genuinely, I genuinely think Rami Malek is it's a fantastic the, actor. I genuinely think that he is Elliot Anderson in real life. <laughs> but like when he's contractually obligated to be "quote unquote" Rami Malek, oh boy, yeah, he is ET. Now that's a sin. Um. Anyway, so when I was getting up and I was about to leave, and yeah, the, get off. the um "Don't Stop Me Now" I uh, won't. concert video like oh. came on, like. I genuinely had to stop and like even look, though they said don't stop me and now. and look back and like actually watch it and it's like there was just something really entrancing about it and like I watched it until like you know the credits rolled through it and it's like and it and it's like I I just I think that this is a I think it's a competent film and I really enjoyed it my barber who I I visited before. No, who I'm t- I went to the movie. With. No, uh, my barber, who I who I saw the day before, I went to go see this movie. Where I like, I went to go see him yesterday. Um, we were talking about it because his son is actually a fan of Queen and Aerosmith and a lot of stuff because he got that from his grandfather. And like, he was like, "Are you going to let him watch this?" I was like, "I'm going to probably have to watch this film before and maybe have I'm him." Assuming his son is young. His son is eight. Okay. So it was like maybe like wait a couple of years for him to see it because Queen is like his favorite band now. But it's just like we'll see. It was pretty tame though. I will yeah. admit, yeah. in a good way. I mean, yeah, yeah. So for my final rating on this, um, I'm just gonna say I I I did like this film. I would recommend this film. Uh, I don't think that it is a good film, but I can't I I can't deny that I liked it. So I'm just gonna give it a a, a three out of five. All right. We'll make our way back mm-hmm. through the... Yep. <coughs> I'm coughing like no one's business. I'm really sorry about that. So, <coughs> I'm so sorry. I gave this film a two and a half out of five because I loved the final scene and I think this film was very okay throughout. But at the same time, uh, I think there was a lot better that could be done with this movie. There were scenes that were very bizarre to me that I thought were just mediocre. And there were also the final scene and other scenes throughout this that were sprinkled in that I thought were also very good. So it was right down the middle for the 
with a two and a half out of five. I'm uh, going to go even further and say that I unfortunately just did not care for this film. I thought it should have been so many more things. I thought it should have been gayer. I should. I thought it should have been more musical. Um, besides the Live Aid performance, I genuinely thought that all the performances in the movie were cock teases because I felt like we got a good 30 seconds of each but didn't get to quite, you know, like fucking rock out to any of those choruses. Um, and I, even though I think Robbie Malik was fantastic, I don't think that he was given a, a good enough platform to necessarily match his performance. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like what most upsets me about this movie is that I think it's kind of a weirdly bitter movie, despite the sunshiny outlook. And yet, that could only happen from a third-party perspective on a singularly unique experience such as the life of Freddie Mercury. It's very clear that the three band members have a relationship with Freddie Mercury that we will probably never get the full truth about. Um, Whether, you know, we can certainly assume or, you know, um, uh, dig certain uh, things out, but in general, it was kind of uncomfortable in the way that they wanted to contractually uh, service Freddie and yet also uh, play up their own agenda. So for me, unfortunately, it's a one out of five for myself because at the end of the day, the moment I was done with it, I just wanted to listen to Queen albums, not necessarily watch it again. And it's not because it's all that bad, but just because that's how it made me feel. That's fair. Cool. Uh, so, kind of speaking to some of the things that have already been talked about, um, I would give this a three, um, just because, similar to some of the previous statements, as I mentioned, there's parts of this that I very much enjoyed in the sense of their like the the live performance aspect of it was very well done it was it was beautiful i especially like alex men- mentioned that final um live aid performance it felt like a concert um and that was that was beautiful um to be able to experience that um and it kind of made me envious that i wasn't able to ever experience that um but at the same time um i don't feel that this is something I would watch just over and over again, um, mainly for the, the story portion of it um, and that sort of um, aspect of just the confusion of what where the film lies. So is it more about Freddie? Is it more about Queen? Is it more about the culture that they created? Is it more just about their music in general? Um, and in that case, it was try- I think it was trying to be too many things all at the same time, and it was being pulled in multiple directions by various people. Um, and I don't think it necessarily worked because it got stretched a little too thin um, for what whatever it was that they were going for as a concept. Um, but... Again, that being said, I still, and and I think you said it well, Nick, is that um, you don't hate the film, but at the same time, you don't love it. And it's, 
it made you want to go listen to mu- to, to Queen's music again. Um, and honestly, that is true for me. Um, it definitely made me want to break out their greatest hits again and, and break out some of the albums that maybe haven't been listened to in a while um, and that sort of stuff. Um, but I very much enjoyed the film nonetheless. What's your rating? Three. Awesome. <laughs> very cool. Um, okay, so... My final rating for this movie is a four out of five. Yes. I don't think it is perfect, but I really liked all of it despite its flaws. Um, Echoing the idea that is this a Freddie Mercury movie? Is this about the members of the band? Kind of flip-flopping back and forth. Um, I definitely felt that too. And, I mean, despite all of that, we did get to see what the end result was, which I thought was cohesive, albeit a little bumpy, a little rushed, a little um, a little excessively dramatic, um, because we only have room for one hysterical queen. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So... Um, I just, I am really happy that I saw this in theaters. I feel like there are some movies that you kind of can experience it to the full effect when you see it in theaters, and this is one of them. Um, and then also, I didn't want to end this without (laughs) some, some fun facts. And I just, three of them. I have exactly three. Okay. (laughs) Number one. Answered these questions three to get across. Oh, my God. God. Okay. So I saw this movie with my boyfriend. That is fun. Number two. (laughs) It's not. That's (laughs) not one of the facts. Okay. Whoops. My bad. So he's he's even a bigger queen fan than I am. Oh. He's even a bigger queen. I was like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I think at one point he, like, learned some songs on guitar and stuff. So he's pretty good. Yeah, Yeah. Pretty awesome. So right before the movie started, right before, I think it might have been during the Fox logo where we heard that jingle on guitar. Pretty nice touch. Good job, Fox. Mm -hmm. Um, He was like, you know what? I think this is going to start and this is going to end with the Live Aid concert. And he was right. And I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. So apparently. That boy's got the shining. I know. So. um, Does he not? Apparently, that's how the Doors movie is organized. Like, it starts and ends with something pivotal. I only saw the Doors movie once, and it was not good. Hmm. Anyway, so um, basically, also, a second fact is that the guitarist of Queen, in real life, he actually doesn't use a guitar pick. He uses a coin. He uses a British pence to strum his guitar. And because Brian May and Roger Taylor were obviously consultants on this film because they have the rights, he was trying to see, like, could you see if they put that detail in there? We couldn't really tell. So, fun fact. And then also Live Aid specifically. So Live Aid was billed as being, like, the Led Zeppelin Led Zeppelin reunion, okay? Because at the time... Led Zeppelin hadn't been together for five years. In 1980, their drummer died. And so them, you know, performing at Live Aid was a huge deal. 
apparently what happened is that Phil Collins was like, yeah, I know Led Zeppelin songs. I can totally drum for you guys. That was a lie, and their set was awful. So that's how Live Aid went for Led Zeppelin. And also, echoing what everybody mostly had mentioned, that part of the film was so good. They rerun the Live Aid concert on TV a lot, so um, it was fun to point out like all of the nuances that they did really get right yeah and i loved that and i thought that was really great it was like a gus van zandt recreation of psycho yeah in, in, in a good way actually so As someone who pretty much hated this movie i will say that the live age sequence at the end was pretty great mm-hmm. oh my god it was so neat yeah, so I am really happy with how this movie turned out, although there were some things that were rushed. Like, I don't... I have to mention this because it bothered me so much. I don't like how in the scene where Freddy is showing off his new house, and then Freddy's like, Roger, you have to stay for dinner. And and Roger's like, no, I can't, you know, wife and kids and stuff. Where where did we see that? Where okay. did we see the moment of growth? Okay, really quickly, to <laughs> piggyback off of what you're saying, I said this to Alex, that <laughs> I thought that was one of the stupidest bits of writing because you have Freddie say that, and he's like, stay for dinner, and exactly what you just mm-hmm. said. He said, no, if I have a wife and kids, I can't. Okay. Two scenes later, <laughs> he brings his wife to a like crazy bacchanalian party <laughs> and i'm not saying it's that crazy of a party but still right so where are the kids well yeah wild for a married i was gonna say couple. him and his wife can't do a fucking dinner <laughs> but they can go to a party that they have to leave early anyway because they don't want to go to it anyway it was impromptu and he was probably already gonna have dinner with his with his wife and his kids mm. and they probably got a babysitter and they probably didn't even think they were going to stay that long at the party maybe like 20 minutes and then it was going to be a big thing but then Freddie made it a big thing and then but he started no, like talking hold, hold, hold on I thought that the party was impromptu though yeah, he literally called and he was like, hey, invite all your people that you know. And he's like, I'll yeah. invite all the fucking freaks. Yeah, yeah. pretty. Yeah, that was in itself pretty impromptu. So, yeah. That's also good. And yet point. they're Not literally. To crush your dreams. All Tucson, three band but... members are like perfectly placed in that room. Like, right? oh, thank God we convened inside the living room. Yeah. Um, you know, have any. Yeah, anyway, but I'm with you in that, that that scene made no fucking sense. Right, and it was such a shame because a lot of the band members just had, like, such really bad lines. Like, I feel like a lot of the the not Freddie Mercury's did not have the best lines. But, yeah. you know, not the coffee machine was pretty good. So, I agree um, with that. But, yeah, so... When they were bickering like just a normal band, that was fun. Yeah. But when they have to move to more dramatic, like, oh, it's, it's you were... Yeah, I don't, yeah. And then something that did I didn't find funny until it was mentioned to me after the fact was when Freddie says, Freddie says, I have it, I have AIDS. And then Roger Taylor goes, you're a legend, Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of That's just saying, I'm so sorry that you have this terminal illness. But anyway. Yeah. So four out of five, I loved this movie despite all of its flaws and I'm really happy that I saw it and I'm glad that it was made. There was nothing wrong with loving this movie in my opinion even though I thought it was mediocre um, this is a film that someone who is liking what it's doing I could totally see really liking it. It's very consistent. You could practically sing along with it. Mm-hmm. Mm. So um, thank you very much 
to Anna and Sam for both joining us. This was an awesome experience to have everybody here. Our two favorite guests. Thanks for <laughs> I am having so us. Sorry. Thank you for having us. I'm sorry. Keep coughing. This is really embarrassing. Running on fumes, man. You can do it. You can get to the finish line. We're right there. So anyways, thank you guys for both being here. And from myself, Nick, and Toussaint, thank everybody for listening to this episode of Film Tank. We'll catch you next time.